0: Yo, what's up everybody? This is Prime Rock. You're listening to the Cabbages Hip Hop podcast, the only podcast that marries culture of the leprechaun movie franchise and rap that you need to hear.
1: was not my favorite movie that we've watched on this uh, this year podcast. It was definitely not.
2: What were the stakes? What did it matter that any of them struggled? Who cared at all about these people?
1: It almost seemed like an indictment of a generation rather than...
2: It's part of this, like, at the time, there was this resurgence in, in beat culture. Do you remember this? Oh
1: sure, 1998 is when I read all like all like the Beats. I read totally. I was reading. These- I read every William S. Burroughs book I could find in 1998.
2: Absolutely, all yeah. of them. I read all the Ginsberg. I read all the Kerouac. You can't read all the Kerouac because Jesus Christ, so no, much. no, come on. I even tried to read that Neil Cassidy piece of shit. But here's oh, the God. thing. Wow. Uh even as an impressionable kid, who believed in a magical world where none of the things they did mattered and that everything could be poetry. I still would have seen this and been like, "Fuck these people! <laughs> this is a horrible approximation of B." It's
1: it's also just a, a strange version of the types of films that had been coming out in the preceding years. And I do want to reserve some of this conversation for our um, for our guests totally. today, uh, because I feel like we picked there. We're talking to adults today. Sometimes we talk to folks who are still in the category of young adults. And our, uh, our 20-somethings, we are talking to people who are adults today. And this film is appropriate because it was definitely meant to be something that folks of our broad age range uh, were meant to see, identify with, maybe even aspire to in some I ways. I think we
2: were supposed to judge these people. We were supposed to really not like them. And I don't really know why because they did weed because sometimes they had sex because they like went to new york city like i i don't know there were just no stakes whatsoever i don't understand this movie i just what was the point well like why is this story being told this dude is bad at being in love generally bad at everything right other than it seems like he's got an okay weed clientele which is not very hard as somebody who dealt weed, I can tell you it's not in those days it was not hard to get a clientele going for the boys.
1: Yeah, but he sells zero weed through the entire film. Mm. He is not a good weed dealer.
2: So he's not good at anything then.
1: Well, he's certainly not good at art.
2: No. It wasn't playful or fun or funny or good. It just was like yo man have you ever thought about living in portland well here's none of it have you ever thought about living in new york city here's one apartment
1: <laughs> just and also scott Kahn's underground lair
2: oh yeah scott Kahn's underground lair which
1: i have a, i have a question oh
2: i have a bunch of questions
1: i have some questions but <laughs> it doesn't mean i want to ask them but scott Kahn in particular like is scott Kahn a ninja turtle
2: you know what? If he is, this movie moves from a zero to, to 10. I'd give it a 10 out of 100.
1: <laughs> if this was supposed to be a Ninja Turtle origin story.
2: I'm then in. I'm looking at it a totally different way. I'm I'll probably,
1: have to watch it a third time.
2: When the evil Gary attacks, them turtle boys no. won't no, call him no slack.
1: No, we're not doing this.
2: No. no. Gary, age no. Mutant Ninja No, Gary. come on. It's
1: That's it. It's already been
2: done, man. Yeah. It's already yeah. been done.
1: It's done, all right.
2: Gary in the half shell.
1: Gary Power. We'll be right back. I'm thrilled to introduce our guest for today's show. Joining us now is Prem Rock, Pennsylvania bred and New York based. The rapper's new album is called Low Bearing Crow's Feet, released on the Backwood Studios label. You can find it on Bandcamp and wherever music is streamed or sold. Also joining us today is Christina Lee. The Atlanta-based music and culture writer has written for publications including Billboard, NPR Music, and Shondaland. Her Southern hip-hop podcast, Bottom of the Map, is currently in season three and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, and welcome to you both.
3: Hello.
0: Yeah, what's up? Nice to meet you, Christina, digitally.
3: Nice it- to meet you too. My, I mean, listen, I'm so happy to talk about this movie where I have just have so many questions, friends. <laughs> So many oh, questions. good.
2: I also have questions. <laughs>
1: well, let's uh, let's let Christian take the first question in here. I'd love to know what is burning in the front of your mind when it comes to the movie *Bong Water*.
3: What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay. Specifically, before we started this, Gary was like, "Don't, don't lead them into into not liking the movie. Let's see how they feel about it."
3: Oh my God. Okay, because I was on the phone with um, I believe a, a mutual friend of ours, Yo Phillips, also based here in Atlanta, another yeah. journalist. And
1: Yo's a great guy.
3: And I was talking to him on the phone because you did listen, in the email outreach, there was no context as to how we should feel about this movie. Yep. And so I was telling Yo, listen, I know Gary and I are technically acquaintances, but I am questioning our acquaintanceship right now based on this recommendation i was like excuse me sir oh god
2: okay uh i'm gonna take the blame on this
3: i i chose as it you though,
2: should though i'd never seen it i chose it specifically because of the cast you know what yeah. i mean like this cast, Lo- loaded a bunch cast bunch of these people went on to do amazing things and also andy dick <laughs> and you know like nope there was no reason to put, the, like, it could have been anyone in those roles. We could have done this better.
1: Yeah, I do want to make uh, make clear that this was Jeff's pick. Uh, right. This was not a recommendation. Um, we, we took go- the blame
2: already, Gary.
1: No, I just want to make clear so everyone's aware. We picked these movies somewhat blindly. We did an entire season where we watched all the Leprechaun movies. Um, yep. I don't know if we're fearless or stupid, but we, we're at least yes. somewhere in between those two. Um, it's, because-
2: it's 100% both. It's both ends of that spectrum.
1: We went through the same suffering that our guests do. And yeah. that's sort of how it goes. So if we watch a good movie, everybody comes out of it feeling great. If we watch bong water, then we have to take our lumps. And this a lot of lumps, this is
0: a lumpy movie. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated that I, and, and I give you guys props or Jeff rather, I've never heard of this movie I've never seen like a poster or pop up in any like regard. And then when I saw the, I was like, okay, all right. Bongwater looked it up and I'm like, oh, the cast, you know, first thing I I went to was like, you know, Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like, I bet you it's probably below 40%. This was like 18%, which is, you know, the below the Mendoza line, so to speak. But like, I, uh, was, very taken aback by the the level of uh, of the cast, and I was like, "This is wild. I never heard of it." So yeah,
2: how is this movie eighteen percent? Who watched this and was like, "There's some merit."
0: I don't know. <laughs> who did this? <laughs> who was you. like,
2: "I'm going to give this merit, guys."
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't know. You're
2: all wrong. It means something.
0: It means Literally something.
1: Anything. For those who haven't seen this movie. And we're, if we've made it very clear now, you should not see this movie. No. no. It's
2: not even funny.
1: This will be a a cautionary tale, this podcast, uh, for those who are thinking of watching the movie Bongbarn. I'm really sorry. But it's important to kind of understand like why this has significance. All of these actors and actresses went on to do really cool things and became part of the 2000s in so many ways. But before this movie, these folks had done really interesting things. Uh, largely in indie spaces. So you have to think about the caliber of the cast, even at this point, early point in their careers. Luke Wilson had been in Wes Anderson's uh, 1996 directorial debut, Bottle Rocket, opposite his brother Owen. Alicia Witt was a child actress. She was in two David Lynch productions, um, mm. uh, including uh, a character on Twin Peaks as a child actress, before taking on a more prominent role in Mr. Holland's opus. Mm. Uh, Amy Lokade, who plays Jennifer, Uh, starred in John Waters' Crybaby and was a recurring character on Melrose Place. Jack Black, Mr. Show Regular. Andy Dick was ex-Ben Stiller Show and at the time on news radio. Brittany Murphy, child actress who had a huge breakout role in Clueless. Uh, Even Eric Mabius, who plays uh, the uh, atrocious villain Fenton, uh, was in Welcome to the Dollhouse and I Shot Andy Warhol. All of this is before this movie happens. So.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, going into this, honestly, you guys, you know, I know I came in like guns blazing, but I'm probably the least cool person on this call right now. I'm the green text bubble friend. And as far as like TV and movies go, I'm very unadventurous. I had a, a list of movies going into the pandemic that was like, you haven't seen Coming to America because my cohorts at Bottom of the Mat were shocked. They're like... You don't know the whole premise behind Futures Pop and Tags. So, granted, mm. like looking at the cast, I was like, this is prestige for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was going into this being like, there is this whole slice of pop culture that I was somehow not privy to just because I was living under a rock. So, I totally feel you. Like looking at this cast, I was very impressed from the jump. And I was like, okay, this is probably some cult classic that I'm completely unaware of. So I just want to make that clear and apologize to Jeff as well for coming in
1: so
2: no, hard. No, oh, no, please go in.
1: Listen- Yeah, do not apologize to Jeff. He does not worth your apologies.
2: Okay. Worth. We're not bringing worth into this, are we, Gary? Geez. Uh, I would say, I looked at the score on Rotten Tomatoes when, I, when we were picking movies, and I thought to myself, that's a dangerous score. If it was like below 10, it would probably be funny because like, why did they even make this? Yeah. You know what I mean? But this is a dangerous thing where like a few idiots liked it and mostly it's a piece of garbage, but the cast saved me. And also critics tend to, to really shit, especially in the time that they were made. They used to shit on old pot movies, all of them, the classics, all of them, nobody liked anything until Friday. Mm. Pretty much.
1: But this was not necessarily critically reviled. It didn't get a lot of reviews in general. It was an indie film from uh, the director, Richard Sears. Important to kind of note about him. So think about what somebody walking into this movie in in the late 90s gets. Director Richard Sears, he'd won at film festivals, including Cannes, for uh, a 1995 short film he did called An Evil Town, which was a Charles Bukowski adaptation. Mm. Bongwater was his debut feature. Wow, There was this expectation, you know, really? this is a guy who'd won some awards. This is him coming in and doing his his film.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it's like kind of flabbergasting that, that perhaps this director was, you know, making this in earnest, being like, this is like a, a statement, you know? And the fact that anyone even took it that way is pretty wild to me, because I didn't know that, I didn't know that backstory that he was, you know, somewhat legit in terms of uh, his, uh, uh, you know, resume. Uh, I was left, uh, befuddled. Uh, I don't think I laughed in any real way until Jack Black started singing.
2: Truly. Yeah. That was a good laugh. I tripped on laughter there.
0: It was good. good. That's really one of the that was better, really good. one of the better songs he's, uh, he's done on set about If the imagine.
2: whole movie had been Owen Wilson or wait, was it Luke? Sorry. Luke. No, was- bring
3: Owen in. You may as well ju- just bring him in. No, but okay. If, <laughs> if it had
2: been either Wilson brother and Brittany Murphy going on the drug retreat together yeah that's a movie
3: yeah it totally it did feel weirdly disjointed I understand you know it's this I guess this couple I guess that is destined to be together and fi- only figure that out by spending time apart but it did feel disjointed in the sense that whole retreat kind of felt like a story in of itself and then the um Alicia Witt being in New- in New York felt like a whole other storyline and it was interesting that these were all just kind of strung together and maybe it's just because there was almost a complete lack of character development but i was just like i don't understand I, didn't, I just didn't feel invested in keeping up with either one of these plot lines, to be honest.
1: The source material for this, this was a novel that came out, I think, uh, a couple of years prior. Uh, so I suspect this is the screenwriters. The director did not uh, write this. The, the screenwriters were uh, Nora McCobie and Eric Weiss. They adapted this novel. So I think they were trying to maybe be true to the uh, the, the source material and incorporate more of the story, but it, you do lose on character development. You don't quite know why you're supposed to root for anybody uh, after the, the the first few minutes, uh, after the first, I'd say 20 minutes, uh, it's still a bit unclear.
2: Well, I, I was never exactly clear on this. And I asked Gary earlier, we never really got around to an answer. Maybe there isn't one. What was at stake? Mm. what mattered at all? Did anything matter? No. No? No. I, I guess the so. answer's no. Christina, do you have... <laughs> did you Did you think anything mattered at any point?
3: Uh, it was just really confusing. Have y'all seen You Got Mail? Yes. Okay. No, I have uh, not. I have not.
0: Greg, Greg so. Kinnear? Meg Ryan?
3: Oh, yeah. Okay. Meg Ryan, Greg Kinnear, Tom Hanks. So... The premise of You Got Mail, like, everybody knows it as a romantic comedy, right, from the face of it. Correct. But really, it ends up there ends up being another story about big corporate bookstores taking over the small business. So mm-hmm. Meg Ryan, her grandmother, I believe she inherited this small bookstore from her grandmother, which is threatened to be taken over by essentially, like, the Barnes & Noble, which is... Uh, being held by Tom Hanks so the entire time that they are sort of fostering this online romance you know Meg Ryan is like what the hell is going to happen to my grandma's bookstore and so by the end of course they end up together but then there's this unanswered question of oh wait what's going to happen to my livelihood what's going to happen to my family legacy and we're just supposed to root for them regardless even though this is like awful right what happens in Bongwater is equally as baffling because this Luke Wilson and Alicia Witt are supposed to just be cool with each other, even though she went ahead and was like, yeah, I set fire to your house. And Luke, like, are we really supposed to believe Luke Wilson? And he was like, yeah, it's fine. No, it's not fine. It's
2: not. Listen, it's not fine.
3: these are no. not grounds for a healthy relationship. That's what's at stake here.
1: Hmm. <laughs> mm, yeah. This is actually a good time to point out the source material, the novel. Well, Alicia Witt's character in this movie is named Serena, her uh, character has a different name in the book, and that name is Courtney, because apparently, or purportedly, I should say, it's uh, inspired by Courtney Love, who the author of the book, Bonwater, Michael Hornberg, uh, apparently, or again, purportedly, had a relationship with. Ah! Oh my gosh. Wow! So think about our perceptions and understanding of Courtney Love, and you know the subsequent demonization of Courtney Love uh, that goes into that too. So we're watching a film, thinking that we're being told that we're supposed to root for these two characters with um, Michael, like Hol- Luke Wilson is basically a stand-in for for the author in this. We're supposed to root for any of these people seems bizarre to me, and there's nothing about how this film progresses that makes you want to see them together in a romantic comedy which mm-hmm. this is ostensibly meant to be right mm-hmm. they the,
2: okay you I'm you're you're, you're, you're,
1: ro- you're rooting for at some level the two protagonists to end up together
2: presumptuous <laughs> i wish i'd never met any of them
1: <laughs> yeah
0: fair fair um yeah there's no there's no But that's what's supposed to be
2: at stake is love yeah yeah
0: yeah Yeah. okay there's no connective tissue whatsoever to be like no i I mean like
2: say what you will if you left out of my house i'm i'm like i'm probably not gonna bring you back into the fold no i'm probably gonna be like no i'm gonna get another house and live somewhere and and you're you're just not gonna go there (laughs) that way the temptation is taken away you don't even have a house to burn down
1: it's also worth pointing out that there was no there there in the relationship. There was no indication that they'd had a relationship with each other that was physical in any way, at least how the, it's depicted on screen an emotional and a, a particularly toxic emotional relationship between the two. But it's later, it seems, that, and correct me if uh, you guys read this differently, uh, when Jennifer goes to New York uh, and ultimately has a confrontation with Serena, she sort of makes clear in that exchange that there was nothing in that. She should have just they said, why don't you have, why don't you, why don't you just have sex with him and get it over with? So there's this Im- implication that they never did. Yeah. Yeah.
3: It wasn't really clear for me until Brittany Murphy's character enters the picture. Brittany Murphy being this art dealer that Serena Alicia Wet's character is supposedly, you know, has connections with, you know, in order like, okay, first of all, Go for it, go for it. I really, I really thought this was like a joke or a scam, but I didn't understand whether Serena was really seriously believing in David or Luke Wilson's art or not. Mm. I honestly thought it was a joke because Same. it was just orgies. And I was like, okay, am I missing something? Like, she's probably trying to get up on him or something. But as the movie progressed, it was like, oh, wait, was she actually serious? But then she, was je- she got jealous of the art dealer, Brittany Murphy, because I guess she was showing attention and affection i was just so confused the entire time i was like i thought maybe she was just trying to scam him over but then okay she's actually feel it has romantic feelings toward this guy i was so lost
0: yeah same i thought it was a a joke or it was yeah because every one of his paintings were like uh, objectively not good technically in any real way and then they were kind of funny you know in the orgy sense or whatever and uh you know i thought it was definitely uh, device of like, okay, so we're going to laugh at him in some sort of public setting or not, or she'll comfort, and that'll be like the moment. Uh, but no, it was in earnest. There was true that she thought it was great. And, and we were supposed to also believe that it was like competently good art, which is wild.
1: It's not quite clear whether anyone believes in his art at all. It seems like Brittany Murphy, who is essentially just a rich kid, uh, in this, whose parents have money to, uh, and
2: also if this film could have a savior, she would be the savior. She was the only character. Her and Jack Black were the only characters you could just like actually cared a little bit about. Yeah, mm-hmm. N- I mean,
1: and that's the movie me, you want to see. But... but that's the movie you want exactly. to see. You want to see the Brittany triangle, Murphy Jack Black movie. Yes, yep. yes.
2: And instead, we got these not even that drug-addled losers. <laughs> they weren't even that like i wasn't like oh my god that is a lot of drones.
1: I'm Gary Suarez, President and CEO of CABBAGES, and I'm here today to tell you about a great new show coming to the CABBAGES Podcast Network. Cabby Wabby. It's called DunceCast, and it's all about what the kids today call gaming. It's tense! Every week, New York rapper DunceCap and his co-host slash DJ, Samurai Banana, discuss video games, gaming culture and their platonic male friendship. You can just feel us glaring at each other. Whether you're a Final Fantasy fanatic, a Fortnite dance champ, or simply a hip hop head who can't live without a PS5, there's something here for you. Maybe you'll have
4: something in common with us and we could rescue you from your loneliness. It's funny, it's
1: insightful, it's relatable, it even gets a little blue. But don't just take it for me, here's Dunscap himself to tell us why you should listen to this new podcast.
4: Hey, hey, you might be sitting there thinking, I like hip hop and video games, but is there at least a place on the internet that I could listen to two friends talk about video games while also having an underlying code of interest that is hip hop? Maybe those two friends have made music together in the past, but don't talk about it at all because that would be lame. Instead, they talk about their favorite video games, maybe about each other, learn things along the way, and get controversial? That's what I'm talking about, baby. Am I supposed to, like, advertise this thing or? No, like, you're perfect. I'm... I hate being perfect. I'm too perfect. I pretend to like things and I pretend to like Mike. Dumpscast with Samurai Banana. Brought to you by the people who brought you the hip hop podcast, Cabbages, which Dumpscap is on. Wink. Hope you enjoy it.
1: The the drug use in the film is interesting to me because there's a lot of smoking mm. that happens, which is good. There's obviously there's the acid trip, uh, there's the the mushroom hunt in the field, but then it's like when we talk about a hard, very
2: small amount of cocaine,
1: very small amount of cocaine. But let's I don't want to approach that scene just yet. Right. This. Right. We're, no, split, I don't. I really
2: don't want I really to.
1: Don't want to t- I really would like to avoid. Oh. I, I when we start Serena's path towards New York. She meets up with Jamie Kennedy, who is the uh, playing his sitar at a party. Who is apparently a junkie. You never see him shoot up. You never see him.
2: This stoner comedy really like gives off a real drugs bad vibe, man. Yeah. It's like yo, drugs are bad, but also nothing matters. So.
0: And he's in the Satanism. He's in the Satanism, which is mentioned briefly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also. Uh, mm. Yeah, all of it's implied, and I think if you read the synopsis, it says he's a heroin addict, like in like the first two sentences. Like you know, Serena leaves so and so for a heroin addict, Tommy, and you don't ever see him high or using at any point.
1: I mean, I would have to believe that if he was a heroin addict, if he truly was a junkie, as he was being depicted in this, if that was the case, then. One, is Jamie Kennedy's character supposed to be some kind of stand-in for Kurt Cobain? Mm. And two, if he really is an addict, why would Serena want to be with him when she was just repulsed by the idea of Luke Wilson being the world's worst weed dealer?
2: Mm. (laughs) Yo, nothing screams the lead singer of Nirvana like Jamie Kennedy. (laughs) Malibu's Most Wanted
3: oh my god well this is before
1: Ah. Malibu's Most Wanted but after Scream
2: 2 which Luke Wilson's also in interesting in a very real way Malibu's Most Wanted stretches across all time so (laughs) believe in what you want
1: did anybody sell anybody
2: any drugs in this movie? no but they always had them around There's was always some drugs nobody
1: bought drugs from anybody
2: Really, right? Nobody, I mean, other than I think... There's, the the implication is this dude deals drugs. There's one scene where he seems to be sort of trying to package the drugs in some way. Uh, no measurements were made. It was a very sloppy organization, I'm not going to lie.
3: That's true. The guy got a lot of phone calls, but mm. he rarely ever tended to them. He was yep. like... Just yeah, he was more mad. Yeah. Which, sorry, well. we are closed. Except he was not sorry whatsoever. Yeah, he which was, kind of
2: b- makes he was
0: sense. Busy. He was busy multiple occasions when he really wasn't busy. He didn't seem like he really wanted to
1: actually be a Drake You know, when it actually was funny is over the end credits when they play all the voicemails. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Oh, I didn't get that far. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, you missed out on the part that's actually worth it. Like it's, you sit there, you sit- People this, with
0: codes, right? There's like codes to, to, to pick up weed. Uh, and,
1: I need, uh, I need yeah. some M&Ms, I need yeah, some yeah. M&Ms. <laughs> yeah. um, the jokiness of it would have worked really well if you were to structure this film differently. At the beginning, all those scenes of him just lying in bed, not picking up his phone. You could have just played those voicemails over it and you would have set this film up at least to be funny in the first like few minutes. Yeah.
3: But then, would the film just be setting us up for disappointment, though?
2: Right. Putting it all at the end was the punch in the stomach like, oh, by the way, we could be funny if we felt like it. <laughs> but we just decided to make a movie about absolutely nothing for any reason. Pretty awesome.
0: Wild. Yeah. Uh, special shout <laughs> to Jeremy Sisto, who you mm. guys did not mention. Love him on Law & Order. Elton from Clueless as well. Mm-hmm. And Two
2: clueless actors. That's right.
0: So he went on to do great things as well. And uh, at first, I was like, "That's not him. Is that him?" And then I went to IMDb. And I'm like, "Oh my, it's him. It's him." So uh
2: what a cast.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that it, it even speaks to more of what a letdown. Like, how could they all collectively, you know, read this and be like, "I mean, I, you know, you don't have very many options when you're, you know, starting out." But like,
2: and it felt like Andy Dick was still trying, even though.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. A, 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 little, a little. A little bit. Awful. Yeah. Yeah, Andy Dick, the only person in this film that understands drugs, but he he was never able to channel this into any sort of stoner humor. He was very much obsessed with Serena's uh, pubic area. He kept coming up with terrible things like carrot crotch uh, uh, as insults for her, which didn't seem to register with her because they were really lame but he never had anything funny to say in this film and he's supposed to be the funny guy
0: yeah not Mm. not much comic relief from the comic relief
2: if you're if you're waiting for andy dick to be the comic relief then yeah (laughs) it's over for you yeah because he's got the one thing he can go to which is talking like this Mm -hmm. and that's it that's the whole actor's chest you've opened and emptied the chest
1: because he was really such a non-character in this film, I had a hard time believing his relationship with Jeremy Sisto. Mm. Jeremy Sisto's, I felt like Jeremy Sisto's character had depth, maybe a little bit of cunning to him as well. And I just felt lost on Andy Dick, who just sort of seemed like he probably shouldn't be in this movie.
0: Agree. Uh, I I thought, The whole time he was going to morph into the character I thought he was going to be, which is like, you know, the smart-ass friend who smokes all the weed of the dealer who just hangs out all the time. And it never, never came. Never really came.
3: Maybe he was resisting being typecast. Perhaps. (laughs) I mean, not by much, but at least trying. Yeah. I'm with
2: it. I'm with it.
1: Yeah. Again, his character on news radio at the time was Mm. such a, a caricature. I mean, on a show full of caricatures, and I can't stress enough how news radio is both the best and worst sitcom of all of time. All time. Of in all time. that it includes some iconic performances by the likes of of Phil Hartman and uh, Dave Foley, uh, but it also is the place where we got Andy Dick and Joe Rogan. So it's it's like... For every win, you lose, and then you lose, and you lose. Go back in time and kill news radio, and uh,
0: maybe life is much different.
2: I'm not against this plan.
1: No, if news radio doesn't go to air, there's no fear factor. Mm. There's no fear factor. There's no Joe Rogan. There's no Joe Rogan. There's no the Joe Rogan podcast. Yep, yep. There's no Joe Rogan podcast. There's no more misogyny. (laughs) I don't know. I think that's just that might be just be a little too uh, too optimistic for me. But oh, yes. no, I
3: think he just wrote the next Marvel movie. Yeah. That's what it sounds like
1: <laughs> it, it's it's certainly a what if. I mean, go back
2: it, in uh, time as the Avengers and defeat News Radio.
1: Just destroy
2: News we Radio. We also like destroy some really great moments. Dave Foley was great.
1: I would love to spend all of this time talking about the television show, News Radio. We just talk about news radio and no, not because I want Conn to no, because I, right, I want to know what the deal with Scott Kahn is. All right. I want to know what the deal is with Scott Khan. Gary. Okay. I knew it. He is the outlier of this film. Okay. All these people we described, actors who've been in great things. Scott Kahn is Jimmy Kahn's son. Mm. And what is the deal with him in this film? Is he a ninja turtle? Is he supposed to be (laughs) mentally disabled? I don't understand what his character is.
3: Oh, was he the one living in the sewer?
1: Yes. Yeah.
3: Oh, I didn't recognize him.
1: Yeah. Scott Kahn, sewer dweller. Yep.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, (sighs) went and the pickup line was, I saw you at, uh, um, CBGBs. Right. And, uh, there was all really, that's all he really said, or you were with your boyfriend or something. And, uh, and she, you know, she was uh, looking to move on and Scott Conn would do. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Interesting uh, choice there.
1: I think I looked at it and I thought we're in the sewer, but I think it's supposed to be a squat. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that maybe there was a disconnect. The Portland author uh, behind this uh, didn't quite capture New York so well, but Scott Conn's character, who is totally extraneous, uh, is in there solely to disturb us.
3: Sure. Yes. yes
2: yeah yeah. I, I just feel like this movie went really far out of its way to make sure we knew that this this Serena was a was a loose cannon and and I'm now that I have like learned about this Courtney Love revelation, it, it makes maybe a little more sense that this dude was traumatized by Courtney Love. Maybe that's it because it, this movie goes way out of its way to punish this character. For making pretty simple choices.
1: Choosing to move minus to New York the, City.
2: Minus to, you know, minus the the left eyeing of <laughs> of David's house and all his weed, which does explain why he's not selling weed the rest of the film. It's gone. <sighs> burned Ooh. down. I didn't think about that until just now. But oh, the God the specific like nature of what she did in New York City. Scott Khan being like sort of the first domino to fall in this weird new york city life that she lives very weird it's super weird all of these dominoes fall to specifically show you okay you get it no matter where this person goes they fuck everything up and everyone goes crazy
3: oh no i think it painted a more damning picture of new york city than anything else i was like oh this was the state of new york city housing back then okay let's go (laughs) This is what happens when you party with New York City types. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna stay down south. That's cool. It's fine. Yeah. I'm in the park,
2: and you live under the sewer now.
3: Right.
1: <laughs> How much do you think Scott Con's sewer apartment uh, cost on Airbnb? Mm, well, it depends. Are we uh, were they in
0: uh, Alphabet City? Were they near low, like Tompkins Square? Is that what we were supposed to believe? I-
1: I mean, we're supposed to believe it's downtown, right? We're short, supposed to believe it's somewhere downtown.
0: Right, right. Yeah. right. So there's a short walk from wherever they were, which is, you know. Um, right now, I, you could you could get a G for that
2: still,
1: probably. Okay. If yeah. you called it the Bongwater water experience. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, now got yeah.
2: we got to do it, Gary.
1: I have an ulterior motive for bringing this up. No, I'm not inviting you all to come to New York, uh, to the East Village right now, and uh, go to Scott Kahn's lair. What I'm saying was... When I said experience it's because the director of this movie Richard Sears kind of stopped doing movies after this wow Uh, he went on to become a successful yes I said successful commercial director
3: he directs
1: commercials Mm. and is like acclaimed for that now not only but he's pivoted in recent years now he does immersive experiences
3: the friends experience
1: like stuff like that he did a bird box one for netflix he's wow. uh he, he's done a number i watched a video of the bird box one in particular particular you're like blindfolded on a bus and things happen <laughs> this is what the oh. director of Bongwater is doing 20 some odd years later
2: wow i fully approve of this better no, than i thought you gave it than a I shot thought. big cat and it didn't work out use your talents elsewhere
1: i mean this guy probably has more money than any of us will see because totally. of, some of the work that he's done because
2: he didn't try to direct another film. He went off and he did some other work. Film wasn't for him. The, the lesson here guys is quit. Whatever you're doing, just quit.
1: give up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's the lesson. That's what you get out of Bongwater. Oh, don't worry about that. Just quit. Just
1: quit.
0: So, so they don't mention Bongwater. That's my guess.
1: <laughs> on his website. There's no mention of bong water. On his website.
2: There's
1: no mention of him ever having had, had a moment at con. It's just, he does commercials and immersive was,
3: experiences. I mean, this was his first immersive experience, if you really think about it.
2: oh, I will think about
3: it that way. Immersed us in mediocrity. Oh wow.
0: My God. Me- <laughs> <Very> <laughs> Medi- mediocrity is kind. <laughs> it is. That's uh,
3: wild. We're going to skip is... ahead
2: a little bit to the end where we thank you a whole bunch for being on the show. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, that is dead perfect. <laughs>
1: Christina, what do you hate most about this
3: movie? I hate that they breeze through I mean, we we're gonna talk about it, right? We we're gonna to talk to. about we the rape to. scene. Yes. yes. They breezed through Serena getting raped. Like it was nothing. Like there was one bit of trauma and then next thing you know, the fucking alien encounter that's supposed to stress to us all that Luke Wilson and Alicia Witt are supposed to be destined. Mm-hmm. That what? How do you get here? No. First of all, it it like and I couldn't tell whether that was a product of the era or something but in any case it was just awful like you know i didn't know whether it was trying to be edgy and that's the feeling that i got the entire time i don't
2: think and- it was a product of the of the era yeah you know what i, mean? I don't like that was a, it was filmed weird it looked different than everything else Mm-hmm. and i mean obviously the drugs were further drugged is that or are we to believe
1: <laughs> well i think he offers her fenton they who's who's at this who is hosting this, party. Fenton, Fenton, which, wow. means, yeah, right, wow, well, didn't see that, did not see that. Uh, he gives her a pill earlier, yeah, 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 was that I, oh. right? Which he takes without question yeah, in that yeah. scene. He's a monster. we we get that from the beginning if you accept that what he gave her basically shortly after meeting her was a date. right? Drug. Okay,
2: mm. and then they bounce.
1: What I find most disgusting about it, beyond just how clunkily they just put this in there to, I think just to shock us, to shock us. Yeah. After basically lulling us into this- And punish this
2: character. I can't come back to it enough. They just like punish this poor character.
1: But also after lulling us into the stupidity of the like crunchy hippie forest scene, that then go right to this horrible party situation and then go immediately from the party to this church Where some dream interpreting homeless guy shows up and talks to her and then vanishes into thin air. Literally vanishes. I
3: forgot about that. Oh my God. Yeah. Traumatized. I forgot, Gary. Yeah, I
2: did.
0: Really, really, really really bad. I also
2: forgot. Oh man. What a piece of garbage. So, like,
1: I think any affection I had for that film during the Jack Black part. You know, him doing the Jesus Ranch lyrics. You know, I fell in love with a baked potato. That's when I started to dance in France. Like, all that goodwill within 10 minutes is gone. Now I'm just like, fuck this movie. I watched this film with my wife. We both, when this happened, we were just like, what the fuck just happened?
3: Yo, same. Yeah. Same.
1: Yeah, really, really. So I have no aff- affection for this film in any way this because was- of that scene and how they followed up that scene. I no longer cared about whether or not David and Serena got back together. I didn't even care about the, the context of Serena and Jennifer's fight afterwards, you know, which lasted from New York all the way to Portland. I just wanted this film to be over.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: I agree.
0: Uh, Did did you do, I did the, no, I did the thing where you, you know, you pause and you look at how many minutes are left. Oh absolutely. Um, that was I that did
2: like it. I, yeah. I, I,
0: I did it more than once, but after that scene, particularly, I'm like, I have to oh, okay. There's still okay. All right.
2: There's still an act, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that's the end of act two. Yeah. The end Whoa. of act two is if you go to the woods and do drugs, you I'm kinda kind of, of mad. I'm, I'm kinda of mad guy.
0: that he got to ride off into the sunset and just make commercials. Like, he should have been, like, ostracized from, yeah. like, Hollywood. You're right. Like, come yes. on.
3: Yes. He failed upward. Yeah,
0: he I did.
2: also don't think this was widely distributed.
0: Yeah, it seems that way, because it's like, you know, I normally- don't think
2: a lot of people know about this.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. If you mm. looked at the posters or the DVD releases or any of the images around this, they made this seem like it might be a fun time. Mm. Fucking lied to you, knowing That's... what you're about to get into. They should be in jail.
3: I don't yeah. know. That's I feel like wrong. the distribution company was pretty much just like Luke Wilson throughout the whole movie. Maybe getting some calls, but <laughs> yeah. then just not answering them. You don't yeah. want this. Yeah. You actually don't want this. Yeah. Go get, everybody go get succeeded a painting instead. This, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, everybody yeah. in it succeeded after this.
1: Yeah. So, it's
2: true. All the actors did wonderful things. Almost all the actors did wonderful things.
1: Except for Andy Dick.
2: <laughs> except for Andy Dick. Who but did.
1: he still had a lot of roles. But he right? did. Yeah. He, would, yeah.
2: he was... A Hollywood-known culture. Like, you yeah. was known in Hollywood
0: culture. I, w- I would love it if someone asked about this movie to one of these people. Like, hey, uh, this thing... Just saw Bongwater. <laughs> just Luke. <laughs>
2: Yo, man, can we talk about Bongwater? <laughs> not, I won't be answering any more questions. Yeah, they just say so we cool.
0: don't. We don't talk about that. <laughs> yeah. What
3: was the conversation with your agent after Bongwater came Oof. out? You yep. storm back into the office, being like, "Okay, we got to set some ground rules.
0: Here. <laughs> yeah, totally.
3: Not this again.
0: <laughs> You're fired."
2: Well, after this, the guy was like, "Well, that that Wes Anderson guy still kind of likes you,
3: yeah. right?
2: <laughs> See if we can't land you somewhere in there in Cute Land." <laughs> We got to get you out of this drug-addled nonsense. Get you into Cute Land again.
1: And this podcast is a cautionary tale for anyone who might want to watch Bongwater. And being in Bongwater is a cautionary tale uh, for uh, young actors who are interested in doing indie films as uh, the way of their expressing themselves. You mm-hmm. could end up in something as bad as Bongwater.
0: Yeah. Or, or if you saw Bongwater and you just you just want to talk about it, you can definitely reach out, and and support group is here for you. Yeah, we'll get the
2: Bongwater Support Group. That should be the name of this episode. We'll yeah, get, get you through this. Support group. We'll get you through Yo, this. No,
1: I, think, I think actually Prem is the right idea. I think uh, uh, this is for all of our listeners. If you encounter any of the four of us out in the real world at mm-hmm. any point in time, you can ask us about Bongwater. Yeah. Any of your feelings, concerns, outrage, just like we will help you through it.
2: <laughs> we're like this. We're like a suicide hotline for Bongwater. Water. <laughs>
1: yeah
2: please call this number if you've seen Bongo. Uh-huh. Please, get yeah. some help. Talk yeah. to people who've, who've done this.
0: Yeah. Do we give Scott Kahn any credit for not being a creepier than he was?
1: No, he was pretty creepy. <laughs> no, he was super creepy, though. Like, he was he was like, I sleep in the bed. He was, was a really weird. He was a fucking creep from the start. I think,
0: yeah, I, but I think I thought he was going to be even creepier. And, uh, Instead, they kind of like pivoted to like, yeah, this dude's a creep, but also like, hey, here's where I live. I'm charming and uh, we're going to sleep in this bed together and I'm not going to be like that much of a creep. I don't know. Maybe I'm being, maybe I'm off base here. But uh, he, I thought he was going to be the villain that we then met. You know what I mean?
1: A red herring,
0: perhaps. Scott Kahn.
1: Perhaps. Another red herring.
2: This is for you, Scott Con. <laughs> yeah.
1: Another red herring in this film. The Alpha Centaurians. What? Mm.
2: Right, we gotta talk she, about the aliens. She she calls them some the some Alpha Centaurians.
1: So now it's not just talking about alien encounters. She says she's had two alien encounters right? Right. in her life uh, in this film. And then this is the third at the end. And she has their name. She calls them the Alpha Centaurians. So I feel like there was so much more that we could have gotten from this because it was so easy on that first viewing to really forget that they ever fucking talked about aliens. Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: So, Alpha Centaurian, or Alpha Centauri, right? Like that's a system in space, correct? I, I that's guess that's like a real thing.
1: I thought there's like a David Libba thing, but I there's really a don't like
2: know. a maybe a system of planets or something.
1: I don't know, man. And also, star system. It's a star, <laughs> system. A, it's it's a star th- system, I guess.
2: Right, but also it's a thing where like they're a character on Star trek mm.
3: Mm. right okay they're, they're
2: like this is for some reason I'm, i got stuck on this specifically because like this is not like they're are they making a cultural again with this movie you never actually get any kind of like fun out of it it's always some sort of weird puzzle that ends at nothing
3: and sure i mean movie a movie that is not endearing at all you're going to grasp onto anything that sounds even right. remotely endearing so star trek oh yeah Something yeah that's actually
2: trek. nice so, Alpha Centaurians. I don't know if they were like, I would be curious to see if Alpha Centaurians was like a reference back to something. Like, are they mean aliens? Are they good? I would rather what I'm saying is I really want to watch Star Trek instead of this.
3: Got you. Got you. Well, we can't ask Richard Sears about it because as soon as we approach him, he's going to send us into an immersive experience. That is a box that is actually a sewer that is actually just like where he's going to detain us. (laughs) forever <laughs> asking about this movie whatever you do
2: do not do cocaine with
3: this man
0: where scott con asks us questions
2: have we been mean enough to andy dick
1: or do we still need to be meaner
2: i just don't have the energy to be mean about andy dick anymore
1: uh, i'm giving him a pass We're running on
2: two decades of just like oh fucking andy dick
1: i'm
0: way more mad at other people uh <laughs> yeah i'm gonna give him a pass for yeah. this
2: for this for this movie? Yeah, just for this movie. Okay, okay. Yeah. If we were talking about something else with Andy Dick, and you'd be like, oh, God, I'll kill him.
0: Oh, uh, 100%. 100% yeah, okay, so. I
2: hear you. I hear yeah. you. I'm with you on that. Have we been mean enough to Andy
1: Dick? <laughs> What a question. Before we let you guys go, and <laughs> again, I apologize on behalf of Jeff for putting All you through right. this movie.
2: All right. You know, how long am I going to have to get punished here? It's as long as this podcast is going oh, for. you motherfucker.
1: Before we let you go, who would you recommend this movie to as punishment for their crimes?
3: Uh, um, That is a really, that's a really, really good question. Who do I want to punish the most?
2: It's unfair. It's an unfair question because Donald Rumsfeld is dead.
3: Oh. Oh shit. Okay. Uh I mean Jeff Bezos was actually the first person that mm. popped to mind. Mm. Get get him the fuck out of space. Yeah. Get like yeah, yeah. seize his money. Get Van Jones too. Throw him in there too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what if you can send these billionaires to space, but on the way there they have to watch Bongwater?
0: That they can't look away you took it out of my head right there it's got to be on loop so how, yeah. however long they can stand it out there with bong water playing like everywhere they can stay in space for as long as as they please i Mike. mean
3: this is a one-way ticket right <laughs>
4: mm-hmm. it,
0: it, it needs to be um i would also venture to be like maybe you could fool Like, you know, someone who, who sucks, who's like a, you know, who's like a a bad director, a bad screenwriter who like makes, you know, like go movies that are really bad and, and like somehow trick them and be like, look, this is where films are going. I'm ahead of the curve on this one. You really have to study this movie. And then they sit there and they rack their brains. Like what do people like about it? And they end up, you know, going crazy and quitting movies. I think that would be my choice, but I can't think of Williams. Yeah, someone like that. Someone, someone who's like just a a, a, a cancer on media in general. And then they, <laughs> rack, they they rack they rack their brains trying to figure out like what is the cultural importance of this movie and what and why did this person give this to me and and I have a gold mine here and they're so secretive. And but then you don't
2: want to you don't want to give it to someone who's like genuinely shock jockish or
0: true. Will true. Will turn
2: it into something that you're like really mad about. You want them to be could made, backfire. Like, fooled and like lie to save face.
0: Yep, could be, like M. Night Shyamalan, maybe. I mean, I that's nah, a little, that's a little. Ooh. I was very, <laughs> uh, look, I was very angry at the servant. So uh, I'm pretty mad at him right now. Ooh,
1: you watch uh, that?
0: Jeez. Well, after season one is legitimately good, okay? And then season two is uh, like spectacularly bad. And I was just so angry that I got invested. So, you know, he's on my, he's
1: on my recent
2: hit list, but uh, that wouldn't be fair. No, I'm, I'm listening. I'm not mad at this.
1: If, if I were to punish somebody by recommending this movie, it would be Richard Sears, the director of Bongwater.
2: <laughs> he obviously never watched it. I would
1: <laughs> gaslight this asshole into thinking somebody liked this movie. <laughs> yeah.